Welcome to To Know the Love of Christ. Hello and welcome back to To Know the Love of Christ. If you were with us on the last episode, then you know that we covered Mark chapter 3 verses 7 through 35. We discussed the great crowd pushing against Jesus and the unclean spirits. And we also giggled at Jesus' sense of humor while he was calling his 12. We discussed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and being a part of his family. Today, we will be covering Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. So if you would like to pause and read those verses, go ahead and we will get started on Mark 4, 1 through 20. All right, so let's go ahead and dive in. When we look at this text, these 20 verses, this is really the first parable in Mark that we see completely discussed out. If you look back in chapter 3, verse 23, it talks about him speaking to them in parables. And I'm sorry, it does go through that parable of Satan casting Satan out. Verses 1 through 9 are the parable spoken. And then verses 10 through 20 is where Jesus is explaining that parable to his disciples and apostles. So do either of you have anything you want to share for the first nine verses? Well, I just, in in the beginning it says, and he began to teach beside the sea. I don't know if we discussed this on the podcast or maybe I was in a Bible class or something, but about Jesus teaching, it's not uncommon for him to be near the sea or something like that. And I just thought maybe it's a, it's a favorable place for Jesus. Did we discuss that on here? Did we discuss that? I don't think no? we have, okay. no. All right, well, I think somebody had said something to the effect of, like, they Jesus probably ta- taught on the sea because, like, I guess, like, it would be good acoustics. So, like, everybody yes. I have notes could really that. hear him and stuff. And I had never thought about that. I, I mean, I didn't think anything like that. I just thought maybe he just likes teaching by the sea but I've just kind of started no once that was made I've just kind of started paying attention to the fact that like he's always you know at a sea and then I think about like obviously there's a bank so he can be further out people are able to see him better and you can have you can have a great crowd of people but yeah somebody said it had something to do with the the acoustics I mean I just thought that was kind of interesting that's not really me diving into the verses (laughs) it was a mountainous area so yeah it was good for acoustics yeah that's that's what I found you don't catch Brittany in too many mountains yeah (laughs) don't catch Brittany on too many camping trips either so not like she would know yeah I just thought that was interesting yeah from what I found in the background it said that it would be great acoustics that would carry his voice and not necessarily this setting but um, it mentioned that there's one cave near Capernaum that allowed as many as 7,000 people to hear one person speaking in the center of the cove I was like man kind of neat yeah yeah I thought it was neat what I thought was neat was rather than being ready with a boat like he got into the boat to teach this time like verse uh, chapter three verse nine he's like you have the boat ready mm-hmm. and this time you know it wasn't because of fear of being crushed but it was to teach yeah right but also i was thinking in relation to what we discussed on the last episode he wouldn't be crushed on the boat well, yeah right yeah. <laughs> he'd have some spaces Brittany was saying give me my six feet he had more than six feet hopefully you know what i thought of it, it what made me it reminded me of um exodus 14 
you know, Moses and the multitude at the sea, they were desperate and angry facing the sea that they had to face the sea. Like, here come the Egyptians and look at you. You took us out of here. Now we could just die out here. But here's Jesus in the sea and the multitudes desperate again, but they're wanting healing this time. And it's not an angry thing. I just, the sea and God is something there, you know. Yeah, there yeah. there is a lot throughout the Gospels mm-hmm. about yeah. the sea. And I mean, at the end of this chapter, we'll see that again, but we won't discuss that in this episode. That'll be next yeah, episode. I can't wait. I got something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, a parable, like you said, Stephanie, this is the first parable. Well, this is the first one in Mark um, recorded, except for the Satan against Satan. Um, this is the one of the two parables that has that's recorded that has explanations that's right. recorded um the first one is um i mean there's a parable of the tares in matthew 13 that's explained um which is the same is i think it's the same as this one right or very similar but um a parable is you know you hear in class or we tell the kids it's an earthly story with a heavenly, heavenly meaning, meaning right? yes <laughs> but basically it's a simple story easy to understand because it involves people, places, or things that would be familiar to the listener. Mm-hmm. So these yes. people, places, or things represented heavenly things, whether actual beings such as angels or heavenly morals and expectations. So the point was to teach. And that's why Jesus um, would speak to them in, in parables. The listener would and could understand if he were listening and seeking to learn, you know, he often ends in his parables with he who has an ear, like in verse nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, those with hardened hearts would have a hard time understanding and it usually hardened their hearts even more. Right. And I mean, what you were saying, there's a lot of suggestion around who his audience would have been. And a lot of people suppose it would be Galilean farmers for this area because he used so many agricultural mm-hmm. examples. Well, it could also, I mean, you know, chapter 3, 7 through 9, I think it is, 7 and 8, it says how they came from Judea, True. Idumea, you know, beyond the Jordan, yeah. Tyre, Sidon. So it could still be these people too. I was just thinking when I was studying this that... There is just, I don't know, and I guess this is true for all the parables, and this is just the first one we're coming to, but I feel like this parable is such a great one for self-examination. Yeah. Like just, and we'll get more into that as we get into the explanation of it. Um, But I mean, that's what the parables were meant to do. They were meant to teach, but also to instruct you in such a way that you turn it in on yourself. And say, this is how this applies to my life. This is how I need to be behaving based on what Jesus just said. Going along with what you said, Stephanie, uh, verses 11 through 13, it's our responsibility to understand. It's given to those, you know, quote unquote, inside. You know, here in this text, it's the apostles. But Matthew 16, verse 18 and Acts 2.42, I mean, it's to the kingdom. It's to his church. So that would be his church. Christians something I found going back to the ears he who has ears to hear let him hear that's a quotation 
Um, and from what I found, it said that ears to hear reflects the motif in the Old Testament prophets that many had ears, but were deaf to God's voice, which is kind of a hardening of the heart, like you said. Mm-hmm. What is the quotation from? This right here refers, I, which this is not from my Bible, like it's not a reference. Um, this is from the background commentary. It says Isaiah 6, 10, 43, 8, 44, 18, and Ezekiel 12, 2. Um, but in my Bible, at the end of verse 9, it says, and he said, well, maybe it's a quotation of him, because it says, and he said. Mm. Yeah. Sorry about that. That was confusing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a quote of Jesus, not a quote from the Old Testament. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, that phrasing reflects things from the Old Testament is what it's saying. So if we're going to move on, then we'll discuss the latter half of... This passage, verses 10 through 20. And D, you already struck on some of the stuff in 11 through 13. Brittany, do you have anything? Um, Yeah. So during the parables, or reading them, I just thought it was interesting with this particular parable. Jesus doesn't put a lot of emphasis on the sower. It's not really about the sower. It's about the seed, you know? And uh when I was studying that and, and, you know, going through it, I thought about first Corinthians three verses six through eight, where pretty much the, the church at Corinth is fussing over like, um, Paul and Apollos. And they're like saying, Oh, I'm a disciple of Paul. Oh, I'm a disciple of Apollos. I, I was baptized by this person. I was baptized by that person. And it just kind of made me think like, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of great teachers throughout the church. You know what I mean? But the teacher is just a mere servant of God. He's just doing what he's been called to do. He or she, because I said teacher, not preacher. So he or she is just doing what what God has told him to do over in Matthew 28, which we call the Great Commission, which is to go into all the world. And so we plant these little seeds and then but God gives the increase. And that's what Paul says in verse um, six. He said, I planted Apollo's water, but God gave the increase. And so it's like, it just kind of made me think like he didn't put much emphasis on the sower. Like you're doing a good thing, but at the end of the day, like, don't forget, it's not about you. It's about me. It's about my word. It's about my gospel and the power being in the gospel. Like that's what saves people. Not because Brittany was a skillful teacher and she was able to teach somebody the Bible. And then, you know, after she taught them the Bible, they got baptized. We rejoice in that, in the fact that the person got baptized and had their sins for forgiven. But at the end of the day, Brittany didn't do anything miraculous. There are a hundred Brittany's out here. You know, there are a hundred D's out here. There are a hundred Stephanie's out here. We're all doing it. And so I just thought that was interesting when Jesus, he focuses more on the soil and how, how the seeds fall and how different individuals will or will not receive it. But it really has nothing to do with the sower themselves. So uh, that's something that I noticed and I thought that was really interesting. And don't don't get me wrong. I, I love a good preacher. I love a good teacher. You know, <laughs> I, I have I have a favorite preacher. Uh, I'm not I'm not biased because he's my no, husband. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I'm just saying, like, you know, we 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 can get impressed by those things. And there are, there are things. I'm not saying that you can't be impressed, but I am also saying, you know, there's not there's nothing special about them. It's okay to give a compliment and everything, but don't get so starstruck that you forget about the word and what the word does right and along those lines just as 
everyday people, like you said, teachers. Um, we've got to make sure that Je- Jesus is what's seen when people look at us and the teaching that we're doing, that it's not look at what I'm doing. It's look at what Jesus did. And this is why I'm telling you this. You know, we should stand in the shadow of the cross, not the other way around. Yeah. All right. So moving on, um, verse 12, there is a quoting there of Isaiah 6, verses 9 through 10 by Jesus. And it said, you know, they may indeed see, but not perceive and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Sometimes, you know, people take verses out of context. And I think people get really confused by this kind of passage where it's like Jesus, you know, they didn't want them to turn and be forgiven, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's kind of like what Dee brought up earlier. People have hard hearts. You know, we look at the instance of Pharaoh, you know, back Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament where he had a hard heart and God allowed it to be hardened even further. And God uses those same people and the people that he's talking about right here are the people that will carry out God's will in crucifying Christ. Mm -hmm. Just like God couldn't, I mean, God could, sorry, God used Pharaoh's hardness to bring people out of Egypt. You know, makes me think about things like we just had a sermon on Romans 8, 28, you know, all things work together for good to them that are called according to his purpose, you know, and it doesn't mean that everything is great, but God can use bad things and bring them back about for the ultimate good of the world. And this right here that he's talking about is the best thing that's ever happened for humanity in all time and ever will. There will be nothing that comes close to this. And he uses their hardness of heart in order that we might be saved. But look what Jesus says in verse 11, <clears throat> prior to quoting Isaiah. He says, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. You know, in Ephesians 3, we studied that last season. Paul talks about the kingdom, I mean, excuse me, about the mystery, mm-hmm. about the mystery revealed. And that would be, um, you know, the kingdom to come because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So, He's saying to you, now he's telling the 12, to you has been given to know the mystery because he's going to give them the keys to the kingdom. So you're going to know what this is all about. So to those outside, they're not yet in the kingdom. It's spoken in parables. So those who are truly the multitude coming after him, the ones that really are coming in faith, believe that he is the son of God, even though this is pretty early on, some of them believe something that they're coming to him wanting to be healed wanting to be forgiven you know we studied earlier about the paralytic coming through the roof so those who want to know who are seeking him diligently Mm -hmm. will understand these parables you know so he's quoting from the old testament bringing them back saying you know hey seeing that they may see and not perceive and hearing that they may hear and not understand lest they should turn so he wants to forgive them. He wants, so he's, you know, if they're seeking, they're going to know what this is all about. Right. And that's, right. that's what it says. I mean, and the parables of Jesus were going to make sense to the people that were pursuing the truth that actually put in the work to find out what it meant. It wasn't going to make sense to people that are just standing there and, and that you have hard today. Yeah. yeah. The, very true. It does apply yeah. today to the word of God. Yeah. You know, and he is the word. <laughs> yes, he is. I just love, I don't know, I guess because it is explained, like you said, that not all of them are explained. And so I love the way that it goes into depth 
on this and he's explaining it to the people closest to them, which, you know, verse 13, he says, do you not understand this parable? How are you going to understand all the parables if you don't Mm -hmm. understand this one? And so he explains that how, you know, the seed is the word. And then it goes ahead and breaks down the different soils and how the word is not absorbed, but what's the word I'm looking for? The word is taken by those soils or rejected by those soils. And when you look at verse 17, that applies right there specifically to his apostles and his disciples. When, you know, I wonder when it got to that, you know, if they, if that is something that would have affected them personally, like in their minds, which that verse says, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution rises on account of the word, immediately they fall away, you know, and these are the people that he chose. We talked about the purposes for which they were chosen in the last chapter. It said it was, they were chosen to be with him and to go Mm -hmm. out and preach the word. And, of course, perform miracles as well. But, I mean, for them, this would have been something very close to them because as the church is established, the persecution just grows kind of in tandem mm-hmm. with with the growth of the church. The persecution, you see it, they're just neck and neck, I guess you would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know about all the different soils you know you got the well the seed that falls by the wayside the stony ground and then you got the the good ground and everything and I was kind of thinking you know I like to believe that the word of God like I'm I'm the good ground you know what I mean like I I, I want <laughs> yes yeah I mean you know but I kind of wonder sometimes like I'm not a farmer by any means. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm be trying to grow simple herbs and I kill them. So, (laughs) but I was just kind of thinking, you know, the, the good ground, right? So it's, it's the ground that receives the seed and brings forth an abundant harvest, you know? So they hear the word, they soak it up, they love it, they thrive on it. And then they go and they go teach others, you know? And I would like to think that that's where I'm at in my life. You know, but then as I was reading, I kind of was wondering, do y'all ever feel like, yeah, I'm the good ground, but sometimes my ground might become stony or my my ground might be, you know, might end up being the seed that's falling by the wayside. You know what I mean? Like you feel like you're just kind of going through the motions and sometimes things start happening out of habit, you know, so it's just enough like every Sunday morning, every Sunday night and Wednesday, you know, by the grace of God, if I'm not sick, if my family is not sick or anything, you're going to always find us at the church building. Right. But I do believe that there are times in your, in my life, I'll speak for myself in my life where I feel like, yes, I know why I'm going to church. I know what I'm doing, what I, but I just feel like I'm kind of just going through the motions, you know? And so I was just reading this and I was kind of thinking, Hmm, I think for the most part, my ground is good ground. I think the seed fell on good ground, but I won't lie. I think there are days that I am the seed that fell on the stony ground or I'm the seed that fell by the wayside. Does that make sense? Um, yes and no. I mean, we okay. have our ebbs and flow throughout mm-hmm. our Christian walk. But now I'm not a farmer, but I do garden. And, <laughs> you know, I can have this great luscious garden and I'll go in and day every day to go check on it 
some days I'm like, wait, there's weeds here. You know, these weeds weren't yeah. here yet just yesterday, but here they are, full-grown weeds, and so you have to pull them out. And then there's even times, like if it rains a lot, it'll draw up, I guess you could say, rocks that were underneath the soil that I didn't know were there. Yeah. So I don't know if it's so much that, because, you know, these are all individual seeds, d- individual right. soils, I guess you could say. And, you know, we know people of exactly these kinds of soils, Mm -hmm. you know, the only one I think, if I remember right, the only one here is that doesn't become fruitful, I guess you could say, well, like Satan takes away the, the ones that are sown by the wayside and then the ones by the thorns, they get choked and becomes unfruitful. So like the, the other two. You know, yeah, they stumble like the one on stony ground. They stumble, but it's not like they can't grow, right? So, but I guess my whole point is, there are things in our good soil, in our good hearts. You know, the rocks that'll appear from the the mm-hmm. rain or the weeds that grow up overnight, and they almost choking a plant's life out of it. So, that doesn't mean the soil's still not good. It's just right. things that need to be taken out. Yeah. Which is, yeah, well, maybe maybe it didn't come out that way. That's how I meant it, no, though. I, no, I knew what you meant because I was, when I was reading over just now, I was thinking, oh, that could be, you know, all of us at some point or another. But yeah. going back reading, I was thinking, no, these are individual type soils. Mm-hmm. Got you. So, you know. Right. Yeah. And so I was, I was also interested in soil. So, like, I did research on soil, <laughs> like a total <laughs> nerd because I love to read. Um, and I found a couple different things. Um, that I didn't know. Um, one thing from soils.org. Soils change with age. <laughs> Did y'all know that? Yes. Soils what? Change with age. Yes. And I so didn't I know kind that. of heard this. We have some farming friends that um, are up in the Delaware area and they farm soybeans, but some years they'll farm, farm corn instead. Mm-hmm. And. Um, to replenish the nutrients. Yes, to replenish the nutrients. And a lot of times, like from what I read on a, which is a completely different website, it's a blog, <laughs> but it's called Cover Cropping. And um, this one is Fresh Harvest GA for Georgia, I guess, um, is that the cover cropping doesn't always produce really a good crop, but it replenishes the soil so that you have a better crop following but what soils.org said was that as soil ages, it gradually starts to look different from its parental material. And that's because soil is dynamic. It has different components, minerals, waters, air, organic matter, and organisms. And those all constantly change. So hmm. some components are added, some are lost, and some move from place to place within the soil. And then it goes on to say that C-L-O-R-P-T, Climate Organisms Relief, which is landscape parent material and time clorped if you want to shorten it um that soils differ from one part of the world to another and even from one part of a backyard to another i didn't know Mm -hmm. that and they differ because of where and how they are formed of course you can see where my mind is jumping Mm, with this (laughs) all of our soils are different i mean it says that in this parable but i mean if we want to apply that today where and how we're formed some of us are formed younger as Christians, some of us are formed in adulthood, some of us in our twilight years, and that is going to change the kind of soil, like our soils are going to differ because of that. 
And the further we get away from the parent material, which would be God, you know, the more, I guess, corrupted or what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Stale. Stale. Yeah. I was, you know, obviously soils replenished, diminished. The more diminished the soil would be, nutrient density wouldn't be as good. And as Christians, the further we we get away from God, the drier our soil becomes, the less nutrient dense it becomes. Yeah. And um, I like in the end of this where it talks about the good soil and the ones who hear the word and accept it, they bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And something I found on that, sorry, I know I'm spewing a bunch of nerd stuff. Y'all bear with me for a second. I just love all this. Um, but it said... That's why I garden. Yes. But it said that 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold are tremendously good harvests from Galilean soil. The fertile Jordan Valley normally yielded between 10 and less often 100-fold. So 100-fold is not necessarily a miraculous harvest, but it is an astonishing one. But for more of Palestine, the average yield was seven and a half to tenfold. And so these would be amazing numbers to them. That would be like a stark contrast, really. Um, But of course. Showing that nothing is impossible. Right. The yield Mm -hmm. is worth the sown seed that was wasted. You know, you think about all the seed here that it talks about that it didn't make it. You know, the rocks, the thorns. And being thrown on kind of the footpath in between, all those things aren't going to produce anything. But a seed, when it brings forth fruit, produces more seed. And so it's going to have, you know, 30-fold. And here, you know, it said that the typical, you know, was in between 7.5 to 10-fold. So for every one seed, you'd get 10 more seeds. And so this is huge for every, you know fruit that you have there's gonna be 30 fold and 60 fold and 100 fold but it got me thinking what is the fruit here I mean does it necessarily have to mean converted souls Mm, I don't think so not necessarily I mean the I I, because I also think about the the fruit of your labor I guess so Mm -hmm. like I think I think if I like so somebody taught me and you know it fell on good soil, right? So now I'm trying to stick with it. I want to go with it. I want to teach others, you know. I think sometimes the the fruit of that could be me just trying to teach other people because like the parables clearly say, we're going to sow the seed. That doesn't mean that it's always going to fall on good soil. Some of it's going to fall by the wayside. Some of it's going to fall on stony ground. And just because I planted a seed and the soil rejected it, that doesn't mean that my fruit is necessarily bad. You get what I'm saying? Like what I'm trying to do, the fruit of my labor, that doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means the ground that I tried to produce on just wasn't filling it, you know? Like it just, that soil isn't interested. He's not going to, he or she is not going to produce what what needs to be done. It's not going to always fall on good soil. The soil, which is the heart of these individuals, their heart has to be ready and willing to accept this. That doesn't mean that I stop planting. That doesn't mean that I don't um, that I don't keep trying to water. But at some point, if my soil isn't going to yield the fruit, then I've got to move on. You know, so I don't think the the fruit here is necessarily resulting in in baptisms because that's not always the case. And that's just there's no way on this side of life am I going to talk to every 
every single person that I talk to is going to want to be baptized. I know that's not realistic. You get what I'm saying? But because that's reality, that doesn't stop me from wanting to continue to plant and to water those seeds. Right. I agree with that. I don't think that it's necessarily converted souls. No, because we got the fruit of the spirit, which seems like the obvious answer, right? But, you know, my soil is diminishing. So you may have to, you know, replenish it with some love, replenish it with some peace or, you know, teach me to be a a Titus two person, you know? So there is more than converted souls. Right. Right. And I think, you know, what, what I was talking about earlier with the soils and them taking a rest, you know, just just like the soil, we need rest. Mm-hmm. We need, sometimes we are going to be, I mean, we should always be scattering the seed, so to speak. Um, but I mean, we need to know within the soil as well when it needs a rest. Like, mm-hmm. am I trying to bring forth this amazing, which obviously we are trying to bring souls to Christ. But I mean, am I expecting this massive yield or am I going to be okay with scattering yeah. like a, um, I can't even think of the word of that thing I'd talked about the cropping thing yeah it's a cropping of some sort (laughs) where it's not going to do as much but it's going to replenish that soil you know sometimes I mean we I think that's a tact thing we have to be tactful with how we speak to people how we plant the word in others hearts. don't overwater it right like I said, I'm not a gardener, I'm not a farmer, but one thing I did learn at the height of the pandemic, you know, because everybody was trying to find something to do because we were all stuck in the house, and so <laughs> I fell in along with the trend, and I went to go get some flowers, and I did a little bit of landscaping, and it was so pretty, and then I realized, Brittany, you can't you can't water the plants every single day, honey. You're you're <laughs> killing them. You're killing the seed. So I did learn that, like, you can overwater, and the same is true with the word, and D, I like the 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 word that you use when you talked about replenish, like everybody needs to be replenished. And those seeds that we tried to plant at some point, just because they rejected it right then and there, doesn't mean that you can't go back and revisit it. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't mean that you can't go back and try and water again and see if some fruit comes from that. You know, sometimes you have to give it a break. Let, let the, let the soil do its thing. Let it go through some trials. Let, you know, let it get ready, you know, but at the end of the day, we're not God. We can't make them do anything that, you know, they don't want to do, but you can, you can continue to water throughout. Just don't overwater because you'll yeah, kill them. Don't drown them. But that's the yeah, thing. That's don't a beautiful drown. thing. God is responsible for the increase. That's not our job. We don't have to worry yeah. about that. We don't need to put mm-hmm. that pressure on ourselves. Right. Yeah. So we want to be good soil and we want to watch for good soil in others. And you can cultivate good soil too. Right. Can't you tra- like transplant things? That's something different. Yeah. Okay. Right now um, I've got like, <laughs> okay, I've got like a hundred seeds planted and they're in those little you know the little pods but the garden that they're going into and the pots they're going into I'm cultivating it I'm getting it ready I'm putting crushed eggshells in it I'm putting coffee grinds in it I'm putting you know homemade fertilizer in it I'm getting that soil ready because I used it last year it's replenished it's depleted of some of the nutrients I've got compost in it so I'm getting that soil ready getting it good so that when it's time to put the seedling in there or put a new seed in there, it'll grow. Lord right. will. And every spring, I'm like, please, Lord, please.
sometimes let these seeds grow. <laughs> and I, and it's the same way with so, souls, mm-hmm. not soils, souls. Yeah. You know, like, please, Lord, let this be good soil. Let it be good. And if not, let me do something for it to help cultivate it. So to see exactly. Take. And like, we can't just expect to scatter seed on dirt depleted soil and expect it to take we need to build those relationships Mm -hmm. and give that soil the nourishment it needs before because these are hard truths that are in the bible Mm -hmm. i mean jesus knew that he spoke on that and we know that as well so some seeds need humidity to grow (laughs) you know and and think about it you know you get that soil ready the seed needs to go through some hot stuff you know, it needs that a hot environment in order to finally sprout. Some seeds don't, so it's just the word's good. It's just the soil, you know, if the soil's humid enough for the seed. Okay, I'm finished with my gardening <laughs> lesson today. I like it. I like listen, it. all I want to say is I appreciate how y'all are breaking this down because normally D is me and you looking at Stephanie when she's using all these big <laughs> words, and we're like, what does that mean? And today it's is you and Stephanie talking about this gardening and cultivating, and I'm like. What does that mean? Like, I just told y'all, I kill all the plants that I try and grow. Like, I'm the same way with plants. Talk about... I kill them. I have a Christmas like... cactus that I haven't killed yet. Ooh, it's been we're in March. Yeah, we're in March. It's yeah. not dead yet. But I'm not overwatering it because Dee told me how to take care of it. So <laughs> it hasn't died yeah. yet. We're good. All right. So where do we see the love of Christ in this passage? Dee. I see it in verse 13. I see his patience and his love. And he's, he, it's a rebuke, but it's a soft rebuke. It's like, do you not understand the parable? How then will you understand all the parables? I want you to understand this. I want you to understand how much I love you. Please understand this so that you can share it with others. So I, I see his love in verse 13. All right. Brittany? Um, I see it in the beginning where... Uh, we brought up the point about how Jesus doesn't put emphasis on the sower. It's more about the ground or the soil. And that just, it's its kind of one of those things that will humble anybody. It's like, look, don't get too full of yourself, dude. Like you might be able to teach a Bible class. You might be able to preach a lesson, but Brittany, baby, there is nothing special about you. Everything special is in the, in the, in the word when it comes to teaching, like, obviously I think I'm special in the eyes of God because he created me. So I don't want that to get misunderstood. (laughs) I do think I'm a special individual, but when it comes to teaching others, the word of God, I have no power. All the powers in the word is in his word. And so I'm a sower. Yes. I'm going to sow the best that I can. I'm going to cultivate. I'm going to try to not overwater these different soils and these different seeds that I plant. But at the end of the day, there's nothing that I have done that is just overly special because the power is in, is in his word, not in, not in Brittany. So I think that's, it's a very humbling thought. And it's one of those things that I think we, we all need to remember. Cause I think at some point we can all get a little arrogant or fill ourselves and God's like, no, it's really not about you. You can't do anything without me. And I have the words of life. You don't. So. All right. And I just see it in the fact that this, that the seed is provided for us. It's not something mm-hmm. that's hard to find. Yeah. It doesn't cost us anything. In fact, it cost Jesus his life and it was free for us. 
but the fact that we don't, there's no pressure there, which I think is kind of the same thing you're hitting at, Brittany. There's no pressure there for me to come up with what I need to scatter that seed. Like I've, I've been given a complete instruction manual on how to do it and the seed is provided and I just have to do as instructed. And it's, it, it, I want to say it's crazy simple, but I know that's not exactly true. Um, it is easy to do when you want to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's better. Yeah. All right. That wraps it up for us on this episode of To Know the Love of Christ. We'd like to thank you for joining us again today. Of course, if you have any comments or questions, please feel free to contact us. We'd love to study with you or connect you to someone who's closer to you. As always, we hope you will seek to know the love of Christ in your own life. Until next time. Bye. 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 You can reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. We would love to hear from you. And be sure to click like and share this episode with family and friends. In doing so, you're sharing the love of Christ.